This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. If you are a previous listener, welcome back, and thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. Now, if you are a new listener, welcome, welcome. I'm so stoked to have you here. I want to make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any future episode drops. And if you have listened into past episodes and you really enjoyed them, or if you listened to this episode and you really enjoy it, I want to ask you a favor. If you have the time, if you have five seconds, leaving a written review really does help a lot to get this podcast out there and make sure that everyone can listen to the invaluable knowledge, insight, stories that the amazing guests that share their time with us have to offer. Now, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Q Williams. He is a former athlete and mindset coach. We really focused on his experience with concussion on this podcast. I think it's really important to dive into the concussion crisis, really. And so I really enjoyed learning about his concussion recovery, discussing the stigma of concussions, the stigma of mental health, and going through some of the effects as well as the causes of concussions in sports of all levels. We also really focused on a topic that I think is very important for this time, especially if you're still in lockdown or you've experienced a year of on and off lockdowns, which is the concept of tribe and why tribe is so important in athletes, especially former athletes who may not be experiencing that, but as well as for athletes who may overlook the aspect of tribe, because I can guarantee you that is what you will miss the most after sports. We also talk about a few other things Q is working on, and so I really think that you'll enjoy some of the insights and the stories that Q has to share. So without further ado, let's go all in. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation to learn something new or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. Hey, Keith, welcome to the All In Podcast. I'm so stoked to have you on and dive into your story as well as talk about some really important topics. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Natalie. Really excited about this. Yeah, so let's let's kick off with like the hard topic of concussion. It's something we've talked a lot about mental health on this podcast for the listeners tuning in, but concussion has been something that we haven't talked that much about, but I think it plays a big role in almost everyone's athletic journey because in most sports, whether it's contact sports, individual sports, there's always that risk of that head movement or head crash. So could you start by just walking through your concussion journey and your journey as an athlete? Yeah, perfect. So I was a contact sport athlete. I played football as well as baseball, uh, actually all throughout college. Um, so I played at uh, Northwestern in Chicago in the Big Ten, um, Big Ten football. And I mean, I played football since I was seven. So I had countless hits to my head, you know. Right. Um, I was always a, a lineman. I was either a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a tight end. So I was, you know, getting my quote unquote bell rung every play. And in, in Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, where I grew up, football is really king. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but Mike Webster was the first case of CTE and CTE was discovered in Pittsburgh, like my hometown. Um, but actually I never even heard about it, you know, we'll, right. we'll, get, to that, we'll get to that a little bit later too. But, um, yeah, the, the, the story of like head trauma and stuff, like I didn't even realize it was a problem until really when I got to college, um, so I had what, you know, probably almost 10 years of football under my belt before I even realized it was like going to be, a could be a potential problem. Um, and so 
if I look back at my career, I probably had countless concussions because we had drills when I was a kid where they would put us basically head to head. And I was taught to use my head on the football. And when I was going to put my head on the football to tackle somebody, every time their helmet would get in the way. They would use their helmet to deflect me from hitting, you know, putting my head on the ball. So the sport has changed a lot since then. We have this heads up policy in youth, in youth sports, whether it's being held up, I don't know, but like, I'm, I'm grateful that there are some changes that are being made and coaches have some education around this and there's not drools like that quite as often anymore. So, um, my journey with concussion, you know, goes back to who knows when, because I never had quote unquote concussions back then because they just weren't diagnosed. No one was really looking out for them. So, um, what I can tell you is that I have had several repetitive head traumas, right? Like subconcussive blows, they call them are actually what people should really be paying attention to. Mm. The concussions are important of course, but it's really the repetitive stuff where, you're not allowing your brain to heal from the little micro symptomatic type of experiences like, Oh, the lights just go out for a second and then you're back or you're seeing stars or you have a, a, you know, a crazy headache. Um, if you have nausea, all these little symptoms kind of go unnoticed unless you experience them all at once. And then people think it's a concussion, but technically if you just experience a couple, you're actually experiencing a concussion. So what I would say is um, long story short, I've had countless, um, based on the definition, I had one my senior year of college that I never got diagnosed, but um, was basically post-diagnosed because I was seeing double. Oh my gosh! And I was running down the field after it happened for the rest of the play. It was a special teams play where a lot of big hits and concussions actually happen is on special teams, and I was running down the field seeing double, but. The guy that was blocking me couldn't tell, you know, the coaches couldn't tell because I was still running and I was just making it happen. And I didn't think anything of it, you know, like um, I kind of have a short memory and I just didn't think anything of it, didn't get it looked at and uh, went on to play in like the best uh, bowl game of our college history. We went, ended up winning the bowl game that year, uh, about two months after this injury. And, you know, it was like nothing had happened. But a year into my corporate career, I was working for a startup And I started experiencing these weird symptoms. I started experiencing like going into a grocery store and just feeling really frustrated and really hungry and really um, moody. Um, And I would get headaches and all my pains and aches would just like get worse. And it was really confusing. I would say that. It was just very confusing because I wasn't sure if this was just like something that normal people dealt with. Right. Or, you know, like working a corporate job, being in front of a computer constantly. Is this, is this screen fatigue compared to like football fatigue? So it was just all new to me and it was really confusing. And I was, I started questioning my mental health. I started questioning my, uh, my brain health, you know, questioning CTE. And thankfully I went to an awesome university that actually funded me going and seeing some, some doctors about it. So um, I was still in Chicago. Northwestern paid for my, my bills to go and see some experts. That's and, awesome. Yeah, like schools don't do that. They just no. don't. Um, I, I don't know if I'll write them a big fat check when I have the money or I will publish an article in the Chicago Sun. Like something's going to get done in the next few years, like for yeah. sure, because that's just it's just incredible. Um, so 
that was great. And I found out that I, I basically had post-concussion syndrome. I was diagnosed with that, which is essentially delayed and long-term um, concussion symptoms. So I was still seeing double when I would go into a grocery store or I would do a workout where there's a lot around me and I was still seeing double. So, you know, when you see double, you get nauseous. And when you see double, your eyes are working really hard to try and make it single. And that puts a lot of stress on your neck actually, where your eyes hook into your spine and the muscles that control your, your eyes are back there. And so that creates extra neck tension on top of injuries that I've had. Right. So it was a whole slew um, concoction and recipe for just like a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that I was going through. And it was so great to have an answer, but I knew at that time that it was not just like the only answer. I knew that there was more to it. I knew that there was life components, how I was approaching, how, how I was approaching my new job, how I was transitioning into life after sport. There was so much to it. I was in a toxic relationship at the time. I, sh- I had no business dating the girl that I was dating. She had no business dating me. And like, so it was, it was a really confusing time for me because I couldn't tell what was coming from life and what was coming from this, you know, concussion and all the repetitive hits. So that's my concussion journey. Right. And that's one of those things with, with concussions, I think that, and anything with mental health, it's very hard to pinpoint that causation versus correlation and all these different things that are going on. For example, the other day I was running, I hurt my knee. I was able to, I like made this long list of every injury I've had, the physical injury I've had, uh, for the physio. Cause it was a new physio I was going to see being that I moved and I gave him the whole list. I was like, we have an hour. I'm going to go through everything because I want you to tell me where did that come from? Like, is it, did I just hurt my knee? Cause I like ran without warming up 13 kilometers or was it because my ankles do this? Cause I've had ankle sprain and so on and so forth. And so throughout that whole course, we were kind of able to see, okay, there's an imbalance here and that's causing this and that could relate to this. But when it comes to mental health and just concussions and things in general, where you can't see it, I find that so hard to navigate. And I think that gets kind of addressed with the stigma. Like there's a reason that there is this stigma around mental health and concussion because people can't see it and they can't pinpoint. And yeah. so then they can blame these other things, right? They could just say, well, if you get out of the toxic relationship, you'll be hundred percent fine. Or if you uh, switch your job, you'll be hundred percent fine. But that's just not, not the case. It's, it's not the case. And I, I actually want to go back to your first example. Like, I think there's even something there with uh, the knee, right? Or the hip, whatever was hurting. Um, I've had knee pain myself and, you know, going to someone who tell you, especially as an athlete, you want to know what the root cause is. Yeah. Like we, the, 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 the hyper masculine part of us as athletes, you know, really wants to know what is the root cause? What's the one thing that I can fix so that I can be better and that yeah. I can really, in a lot of athletes mind be perfect. Yeah. You know, a lot of us are kind of chasing this perfection and we're chasing this like well-oiled machine, I would say, when it and comes to the body. Yeah. You know? And we're treating our body like a machine. Like if we just fix that, then everything else will work fine. You know, it's kind of like a funnel. You got you to gotta fix where the bottleneck is and then everything flows, right? Everything's yeah. cool. Yet that's not how it actually works. It's also not how our mindset works. We'll get to that in a second. But like the way our body works is like, yes, my knee, you know, could be like the knee pain could be caused from an imbalance in my foot or my hip. But the thing is, like, just addressing the foot isn't going to, like, make the whole chain of events work properly. That's going to lead to um, a crescendo of effects up my my left side. You know, it's going to lead to 
probably some hip pain, some hip fatigue and new muscles that I'm working because now my foot's in a new alignment, you know, and now my knee's feeling better, but then there's going to be something else that's a little bit perceivably off. So if I'm chasing perfection, if I'm chasing one root cause, I'm going to be chasing all my life. So I think that that goes to say that like the same thing happens in our mental health and our, our concussion, you know, theory, right? I don't think that we can blame one thing because yeah. we're going to be chasing our tail. And the more we can look at our, our, our lifestyle and our body and our person as a holistic thing and not a machine where we're not chasing perfection, we're not chasing efficiency, we're just chasing our best. We're chasing an ecosystem that thrives. Like, I think that's the biggest shift that we can make as athletes is like shift our mindset from a fixed, perfect, you know, kind of achieving mindset to like, how can I just feel really good and be effective and have a ecosystem in my mind, body and spirit that works for me? Right. I think also just understanding everyone's baseline is different. Like that was a big thing. Even I'll go back to the same reference with the physio was like, I was like, well, my left leg always turns out more when I squat, for example. And so I'm like, so you, you watch videos or you get told by other physios. Okay. Well, you need to improve your internal rotation. And he was like, why your bone structure could literally just be built to like, just be like this. There's a reason why you're like this. You don't have to chase that perfection of having the internal mobility that someone else says that you need that could be their problem but it could not be your problem and so I think often in any injury whether it's something you're dealing with mentally or physically we often compare our recovery to other people and I think that's just the wrong way to look look at it we got to be self-aware and go back like for example I was tracking all these other things that have happened and trying to think of you know, what happened in my life specifically that this could be rather than, Hey, this person on the internet told me that this is like the root cause. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. You have, you have opinions everywhere. You know, I everywhere. think that's one of the toughest things about being an athlete or just an adult these days is that you have comparison traps everywhere on your phone, around you, you have access to everybody's opinion if you want it. And yeah. we really have to do a really good job of, you know, staying in our lane, keeping our blinders on and focusing on what makes us human and whole. And I think that, um, you know, coming, coming back to our bodies and our bodies specifically is really important um, because we can, there's this mind body connection that we could get into of like, you know, often we spend a lot of our time in our heads, comparing ourselves, judging ourselves, judging other people, you know, on our phones, thinking, right. Um, analyzing when Really, if we were to to connect more with our hearts and drop down into our bodies and connect with, you know, flesh and bone, like we would understand that we're unique, that we're all really connected, um, and that what's important is that I just focus on on me being, you know, me. You know, I don't know. There's there's a lot to that. Oh yeah, no, I I totally believe you on that one. And like, none of us are all the same. We're so unique. And it's just interesting how the world that we've built today is to kind of make with the school systems, the the way the the internet works, the way people diagnose things, whether it's mentally or physically, it's kind of just like cookie cutter. It's like, okay, this, then you have this, or you need to progress to this. And I, I, you know what, I can't wait to the day where it's like, 
I don't know, maybe it's 300 years from now, maybe it's a thousand years from now, but the next generation of humans look back and be like, why did they build these systems that like thought everyone was the same and there's one best way? Like, I just, I'm excited for the day where that changes. Probably neither of us will be alive, but, um, <laughs> but maybe they'll read about us in, in a book or listen to this podcast because I'm sure some sort of content will be around in that future generation. Yeah, well, you're already starting to see it. You know, um, you're starting to see you know, us as Americans specifically, you know, Canadians, it's very similar culture, right? Like we went hyper industrial, mm -hmm. you know, to basically go to war, you know, and we made things very systematized, um, industrialized, and we took away a lot of the human parts of ourselves in order to create more efficiency and business and capital growth. And so, yeah. you know, uh, it, it became a rule that everyone should eat corn. You know, because we can grow a lot of corn and there, there we go. Right. So that's one example um, of kind of standardization. You mentioned it also happened in school. However, I see us like really naturally progressing back towards more of a, a holistic approach, a more unique, a more specific, you know, specific to the individual approach that uh, people have been craving for a long time because we've, we, you know, it's even showing up um, energetically kind of in sports where like sports you don't need to be this like macho, you know, um, a horse collar linebacker anymore. <laughs> you know, you don't need to be big and strong. You just need to be effective with your hand placement and how you tackle, how you run, how you move in space. Speed is the game. Um, agility is the game now. And um, that finesse um, isn't an industrial quality. I would say finesse is more of a holistic really more of like an Eastern philosophical kind of approach to, um, to life. I'm kind of speaking in very like general broad terms of kind of like the masculine approach to more like the feminine approach, like energetically. I mean that not like in male, female. Um, I tend to go into that a, a lot on these podcasts. So I'm I follow. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I like it. I think you see that when you travel. And I think that's one of the benefits to having more accessible travel. And I mean, over this past year or two, most of us haven't really been able to get that. But um, being able to go to different cultures and see, especially some of these these smaller countries that they never had to get into that industrialized zone, right? They've always just kind of done their own thing and just been with their own tribe and, and do those kind of things. It is very interesting, the things that you learn and how contrary they are to just the westernized world and what we've kind of built over here. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, you mentioned the word tribe too. I think that's something we want to talk about, like how important it is to, you know, take care of ourselves and, and, and know what's going on in our bodies. Like we've talked about yet also understand how powerful it is to see other perspectives and have people in our life that we really trust and we really, you know, can depend on. Um, that, you know, when it came to like my concussion journey, I had that, you know, like in sport, I had that community, I had that purpose, I had that camaraderie. But when I left that, when I left sport, I was in the entrepreneurial world. I was looking around like, where are all my friends at, you know? Yeah. That's, that's tough. That's, that's really tough. Um, so finding your tribe, finding people that are like-minded that um, are up to the same things you are outside of sport is um, that's a challenge and it's um, it's a big one. And there's a lot of people of course doing this work because they believe in the value of tribe after sport, right? Like you and I are both in the same sort of work. So yeah, uh, yeah tribe is big.
Tribe is huge. And I know that's definitely something we wanted to touch on. So let's circle back to concussions after, but let's like focus on, on tribe, because I think it's a big one. You just touched on it. And in this past year, it's been over a year now with, with the pandemic, it's been hard for people to build tribes. And I think it's already hard for people in their twenties and thirties to make friends because there's not school, maybe they're done sports. Um, but I think like what we learned in sports is so important because we get thrown with people of all different cultures. Often it's locally, but sometimes you could be, whether you're at a, a college with athletes from all over the country, you're competing internationally and you meet people from every country of the world, you get experienced and exposed to that. And you're all there for this common goal. And I think that's often what athletes miss the most after sport. They'll tell you like, yeah, I miss maybe the games and maybe the intensity, but, like I miss those road trips. I miss the going to a competition and meeting the other, the people, the players, the individuals, competitors from the other team. Like, for example, one of my best memories was I competed in the junior world championships and we made friends with the Italian team. And so we were playing pool with them all the time. And then when the competition ended, we made friends with the France team. And we all went out like to party after and just like the stories and meeting the coaches. And it would just, that's, that's the memories that you, you build. And over this past, you know, year or so we haven't really had it. And I think it's also regardless of pandemic hard to build, especially for people in their twenties and thirties, where maybe they kind of like zone out, they go into a different world and they feel different than the world that they're trying to fit themselves to. So what, what's been your experience with that? And what tips could you give for people trying to find a tribe? How can they go out there and even try to find these like-minded people so that they can build that community around themselves again? Mm. That's, that's a million dollar question, Natalie. Like, <laughs> how do you find people that um, you resonate with? I remember when I got out of football, um, I went, I started doing just like, I was like, I don't want to do like weightlifting anymore. I don't need to do weightlifting anymore. So what am I going to do with my body now? Like just run around town and, you know, like do some pull-ups, like body weight exercises. I started to just like think outside the box. Like, what can I do? I eventually landed in like a yoga studio and loved it. And like for a single guy in Chicago, that was the perfect thing for me to be doing uh, personally. And I met, you know, some guys at the studio, a lot of girls, I met really a framework and a way of thinking that was really enticing to me. So pursuing that interest was really important. Um, And through that, I started meeting a lot of like-minded people. Um, and without getting out of, without, without getting out of my routine of sport and weightlifting and all those things, I would have never found those passions and those people. And so I, I always said, like, if I'm going to meet, you know, my wife somewhere, uh, or my girlfriend, like it's going to be some doing something somewhere that I love. Yeah. So, uh, I can't do that from my home. You know, it's very hard to do that, you know, over Zoom, but you can, you know, there are, there are all sorts of webinars, different trainings you can do, different masterminds you can join as business owners, right? Um, there's communities everywhere, um, even in the virtual world that you can tap into. Um, I joined a men's group when I moved to San Diego that quickly turned into a virtual men's group. So now I meet with the guys, two guys live in Mexico, the rest of them live in San Diego and Texas and like we all meet virtually because we're all into the same stuff and we want to talk about life. Um, yeah. So it's really cool. I mean, finding tribe is crucial because uh, I work with a lot of guys and a lot of guys can get very lone wolf. 
Yep. You know, humans, we're pack animals. We're not meant to be on our own. We don't survive very long on our own. The lone wolf dies. The the wolf with the pack survives. So, like, we got to find our tribe. We, we, we need to rely on one another. We need to support one another. And for us to think that we don't need one another is... You know, it's a paradox. It's not a total fallacy. We don't need one another, but it's way easier, way more fun if we do rely on one another and we have fun with one another. So I would say for my story, it came down to like following my interests and following my passions and being in those situations, places and with people that were into the same things, you know, who are curious. Right. No, I love that. And I think now people can with, with the power of social media, that's something we can use as, you know, a benefit to reach out to like-minded people, right? Like someone could go across your profile and see you've put in your bio, the things that you do, and they could see, wow, I have a very similar story or like, I really resonate with this and they can reach out and DM and maybe they join your, your group or whatever it is. And so it's, I think that ability to connect, if we use things for that purpose, we can use them, those tools for the, the right ways. And um, I think that's, that has been something good about this pandemic. I know, especially for, for myself, uh, where I lived, it's kind of, it's very a government town. It's the capital of a country. So just that mindset is very much like sign your life away to this job. Don't really pursue anything. Just you're going to have this job for life, get a pension, whatever. And I always knew, I was like, that's just not my mindset. How do I surround myself with other high-level athletes, with people trying to pursue their best in all aspects of life, who like to talk about things like psychology, mindset, um, growth, personal development, all those things. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time until it was like the pandemic almost forced us inwards and it made us able to then go online and connect outwards and, you know, do this podcast more, connect with other people, um, just network. And so it's expanded our reach rather than just locally. We've been able to reach people, you know, around the world to build these tribes together online. And I can't wait for the day that some of those things can then, you know, take place more often uh, offline, hopefully soon. I know in the U.S. things are a little bit more open, but it'll be awesome once people can travel and finally connect those those dots, because I think a a lot of people have made many friends online over this past year that they've never met in person yet. <laughs> That's so true. I, I, I love what you said there, like using technology to support our in-person you know, relationships, the real connections. I think that we can use sometimes technology as a crutch and an avoidance technique yeah. to get away from real connection often, you know? You've seen how popular ghosting is these days. Like, it's Oh, yeah. Like, it's because we're connecting through a digital currency, basically, where, you know, we don't have to show up for it. We can just disappear if we want to. Um, so I, I, I think the opposite is also true. I think that when used um, when used uh, to support our connections, it can be really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, technology has been great. It's connected me to people like you. It's connected me to everyone in this industry, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's just an, a really useful tool. And... Without forming tribe, I don't think we have, um, we don't have much, you know? That's one of the biggest things that I learned in my transition from sport to, you know, real life and entrepreneurship and all these things was that I couldn't really do it alone. I had to learn that the hard way. I learned that the hard way as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I And I think that um, there's some things you can't really learn the easy way. Some things you just kind of have to experience. Yeah. Um, I think there's this thing called the hero's journey um, that um, 
I'm forgetting the author right now. Um, he's since passed, but uh, oh, what's his name? Um, I'll get to it. But um, the, the hero's journey is a common thread through all of humanity. Um, this idea that a person to be a hero, to, to, to live out their life's purpose, they, they have to kind of leave their community and leave what they know to be true, what they know to be sacred um, in order to explore, in order to invent and get curious about other things and become more of who they truly are outside of that comfort. And so I think that, you know, we all got to do that in our own way. We yeah. all have to, to, to do that. And I think I definitely did that. I learned it the hard way, right? I had to go and face the discomfort. I went and did yoga when none of my friends were doing that. I moved over to a different neighborhood when none of my other friends were living over there. I mean, I, I was living on my own and it was great because I got to learn about, a lot about myself but I also realized how lonely I made myself because I had these unique and specific interests. I had to start surrounding myself with the people that really could lift me up and support me with those interests. So it happens, you know, I, I think yeah. for you to find who you truly are, um, you kind of got to go and do that. And I will say now that I've really truly found more of like who I am, I can now go back to my old life and the old people in my life, the people from past, past moments and see them with so much more gratitude, you know, Right. way more. I can just engage in such a different way. It's way more empowering and exciting. Have you read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. So anyone listening, if you haven't list, like listened or read that book, you got to do it because that's, that's my number one favorite book. I've gifted it to many people. Uh, when I went to Bali, actually, we were talking offline about this before uh, we hit record, um, I gave that book to my boyfriend and he's not a huge reader, which, but I am a big reader. And uh, I said like, you got to read this book. And so whenever I was working on my laptop, um, I was like, go off and like read by the pool or whatever you want to do. And I remember he would like come back to me and be like, Hey, like it was so interesting in this book. It said this, and it like related to this. And then it was just so cool to see the wheels turning as he like realized it's really kind of like the hero's journey. And then just see how his mindset shifted from when he read that book to like the decisions he's made in his life to go after different things that he wanted after that. And so it's cool to see as people realize that they like, they go through that process. And I think for a lot of people, maybe that happens in their twenties. Some people, maybe it never happens. Maybe it, in their sixties, they realize I never went after what I wanted, or I just never like discovered myself and they go out there, but it's a really cool to see that shift in other people. It really is. And yeah, the, the hero's journey that like the alchemist is a perfect example. There are so many good books, like how perfect that he was reading the alchemist in Bali, Indonesia, like what a yeah. perfect place for it. Um, uh, the author I was, well, the, the, the thought leader I was thinking of was Joseph Campbell. Okay. He's the guy who sort of coined like the hero's journey and really studied how that idea, that concept of going and pursuing your purpose and, and finding out more of who you are that has lived within us that's like something that's just innate within us because it's lived in every single society that's ever been known to man yeah. so i think it's safe to say that we all truly want that and we all truly want to go and find ourselves and bring back something to our community that we think is of value um that creative energy that um that um inspiration that invention quality of us is just you can't take it away. So um, that's why I do what I do now. I, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programming for former athletes to really light up that part of themselves 
so that they can really, you know, be their own hero and bring back something greater to, to their community and pursue their purpose. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. I think like this world needs more people who are doing, helping facilitate like the healing work, the self-development, the progression, like that's what we need, not another social media app. Uh, I always joke, I'm like, we put our brightest minds to like, go develop this app, go develop this weird new made up food. It's like, what if we just put our brightest minds to like helping other people just be happier and live better? So really appreciate what you do. Before we circle back to concussions, I want to touch on, like you have a quiz that athletes can take. Can you briefly mention it? Cause I'll, I'll definitely put it in the show notes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Please put in the show notes because the, uh, the URL is a little funky, uh, <laughs> work on a better name, but right now, um, where you can access this quiz is q-williams.com slash quiz. And I'll tell you about it. It's, it's called the life after athlete archetype quiz. And the purpose of this quiz is to help athletes understand how they interact and interplay with two key variables when it comes to success and, you know, their sort of like appetite for, uh, for success after sport. It's two key variables. One is visibility. How, how do you react to the idea of kind of taking the microphone or taking the camera and having it on you, the spotlight, putting yourself out there, having your opinions be known, you know, speaking up in the board meeting or speaking up in the locker room for what you believe in. And the second one is responsibility. Do I actually think that I'm responsible for the team's success, for uh, something happening, for um, this project getting off the ground at work? It all translates. So th those are the two biggest KPIs. And this quiz through 13 questions help you arrive at that in less than five minutes. Like, how do you interplay with those two things? And how does that categorize you? What are your unique results? What's your archetype? And what I do is I give you some tools and tips and some tricks to um, kind of break through that ceiling and use some of those components of yourself to your best ability, like actually leverage the fact that you enjoy visibility, the, the fact that you do crave responsibility. How, how is there a dark side of that and a light side of that? Because there, there's some ways that we can crave visibility in, in, you know, in an unhealthy way sometimes. There's, right. there's some ways that we can crave responsibility in some unhealthy ways. So it's not like you can't be a leader if you don't have, if you're not, if you don't like responsibility or vice versa. Anyone in these four categories can be a leader, can be a team captain in my book. And I've seen it happen, you know. So I'm excited to uh, to have this out. It's pretty fresh and I would love to have everyone take it. Natalie, you definitely got to take it. I can't wait to see what your results are. You can share your results on um, on social, on Instagram too. Just, uh, just tag me when you do and show people uh, what your archetype is. Awesome. Yeah. I'm I, I love anything with personality quizzes. And I think if most athletes, like no matter where they are on their mindset journey, I think they love to like figure out more about themselves. And, um, it's almost validating, even if you've done the self-awareness work to like, see that on paper, like something that you're already thinking. Right. And you're like, Oh yeah, I was thinking this. And it can give you another resource, um, just to know yourself better and to be able to like have the self-awareness to put it into practice into different aspects of your life. So super cool. Love, um, uh, anything with with quizzes so for anyone listening definitely go take it I'm going to take it and we'll put the uh, link in the show notes but I want to circle back to a couple things that you said earlier about concussion um, one thing was that your school supported you and um, you talked about how rare that was and how grateful you are I think it's it's amazing but I it's just so surprising that no other school does that or no other team does that for example I can't go like back to the national team and say hey like 
I experienced concussion and these issues. Are you guys going to pay? They'd be like, no, like you haven't even associated with us for multiple years. Like you haven't, you're not competing with us anymore. Like even if it was months after, I doubt that I could have came up and done that. And so it is interesting how the school gave you that support, but I'm hoping that we can grow things where that is no longer rare because especially if your concussion occurred during your time there playing for their team making that school a lot of money it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't support you know the after effects could you talk through maybe that process of your school actually giving you the support and then I don't know if you have any thoughts on like what could happen to create change so that more schools more teams more organizations are looking at things the same way that's a really, really great question. And um, I, I owe a lot of this, obviously, to Northwestern and more specifically, um, the head athletic trainer at Northwestern. His name's Tori Lindley. He's actually the the president of the National American Trainers Association or Athletic Trainers Association. Awesome. Um, he's the president of NADA. So he is a very influential voice. And I trust that um, like what he's saying, what he's doing, the example he's setting is making its way to you know, the ranks, of course, and to other programs. Um, but he, he can't be everywhere, right? He, yeah. he can't do it all. Um, what it looked like was, you know, I, I'm i very grateful that I had the wherewithal to actually ask Northwestern for their advice. I was in Chicago, so I was like, who's the best doctors? Northwestern would know, you know, how, how, how can I solve this problem? Full transparency, like I didn't mention this in my exit interview. Like they knew I had one concussion, but I didn't mention like, hey, I remember I was seeing double, you know, running <laughs> the field at, at Michigan that one game. I forgot all about it, you know? Right. I really did. I thought nothing of it. And um, they don't they don't have to do what they're doing. Like by based on the agreement and the policies that they have in place, I don't think they have to do what they're doing. Um, because basically the policy that I've always understood was – if you had an injury during your career at that school, then as long as you mention it in your exit interview and it's documented, then they will take care of it. You know, they okay. will make surgery and physical therapy and it'll be solved. Um, but this injury, I, I personally, I might be wrong, but I don't remember mentioning this in my exit interview. Um, who knows exactly where it's tied back to. It probably was that concussion. It could have been another one that was diagnosed. But anyways, um, there's a gray area there and they're serving me no matter what, like regardless. He literally told me, he said, I said, like, how long is this going to go on? Because I saw a lot of different doctors, a lot of different, you know, brain images and stuff like that. Like it got expensive. And I said, when's this going to run out? Like, when's this going to be over? He was like, well, we're, it'll be over once you're better, you know? Mm-hmm once this is fixed yeah. and like that felt really good to hear. Yeah. Really good. So I think, I think I'd probably get to uh, finally like submit an article to the Chicago Tribune for instance, and, and get that message out there and talk about what they're doing. And yeah. What they're doing. Because they're, it's not just me. They've taken care of a lot of, a lot of former athletes like myself. That's so important. So yeah, if you're an athlete listening, shout out Northwestern. Maybe that should be the school that you pick to go if you're currently getting recruited. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that like trickles down. Cause I know even in my time, for example, you talked about kind of those 
those pre-concussive hits and um, those kind of sub-concussion hits. And I had a few times where I went to my coaches, we're at a big, like a world cup event. And I said, Hey, I have a headache. Like I hit my head. I'm going to go in. And they're like, no, you need to practice your run. And I was like, they check my eyes. They're like, you don't have a concussion. I was like, but I have a bad headache and I hit my head. So I think something's off and I just like want to play it safe. And you could just tell it was like judgment there. Right. And they're saying you either have a major concussion or you don't have a concussion at all. And I was like, "Ah, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Imagine if I went and hit my head again. Similarly, if I, I twisted my knee a little bit and I'm like, well, I can still put weight on it. I can still go. It's not going to take much more for something more severe to happen. And so I, I think we're starting to see even like very quickly, because that was only six years ago, we're starting to see those things shift where I'm hearing more youth coaches just get the education and the knowledge where they're talking, you know, preemptively about concussions and making it a safe place to come forward where you do feel like you're going to be heard. But I think there's still a ton of work there. I would love if you could talk a little bit more about those sub concussive hits, because I think there still is that like gray area where people are like, it's a concussion. It's not a concussion but there is that gray area where it's still something important to be cognizant of. Yeah. Well, I I think that here's the trouble, right? Here's one of the biggest issues is like, there's not really a word for what we're talking about, you know, like sub concussive, like that's way too long of a word to even say, you know, so people don't say it. They just say concussion or not concussion, you know, but the truth is that the data shows that, of people that had CTE, it was really related mostly, um, their, their stages of CTE was mostly correlated to their level of subconcussive hits, how many years they played, how much exposure they mm-hmm. had to head trauma. Um, so it's important, but the word concussion is just way more adoptable. And so it's what everyone talks about. So um, what, what the NFL, in my opinion, should really be focusing on is, is a hit count how often they're practicing, how often they're doing full tackle drills, how um, also uh, the use of the head in simple hand-to-hand combat, you know, like um, like offensive and defensive line. I think that if you have, you know, scratches on your helmet, that that's, you know, that's not a good sign um, okay. of, of a good player, you know, of a, of a skilled player and a safe player. So I don't know. I think that there's there's a there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, yes, the NFL and football is, you know, quote unquote, uh, safer than it's ever been. Um, is it safe enough? I don't know. You know. Yeah. Yes. I think that goes for a lot of sports, like many many sports. Like same thing with with my snowboarding experience. There was so many times in training, like you hit your head pretty often. Like all it takes is you land a jump and you catch your edge or you can just catch your edge literally just riding down the hill and you just bump the back of your head and you can have scratches on your helmet and you're like, Oh, I feel achy, but you pass the concussion. It's like you're back riding in a few minutes Mm -hmm. and it just pushes you, pushes you, but you don't realize at the end of your career that you took maybe a hundred of those little head hits every single season. And same thing in, in hockey and football and many of these, these different sports, whether it's like an action sport with high consequence, or it's like, um, like you said, like a football contact sport where you're, you're banging up like all the time. So I wonder if it's just important, you know, if you're a young athlete listening or a parent, maybe just count that on your own. Like if your coach isn't doing it, if the organization isn't doing those things, just pay attention to it and notice like, okay, I've taken like, 
compared to last season. This season, I took way too many, you know, head hits. Maybe I need to take a little bit of a break or get some assessment or do something because I think if we just sweep it under the rug, like, oh, I just minorly twisted my ankle and we forget about it, you know, two minutes later, that we we just we're moving forward with something that can really end up impacting us later in life without realizing it. Yeah, and that, that takes a lot of awareness, you know, obviously for the parents and, and for the athletes to know what they're feeling in their body and not to just shove it away and pretend it's not there. Because you're exactly right. It's it's um it's kind of the way that as athletes, um, we have a lot of wear and tear, quote unquote, on our yeah, you know, just repetitive, you know, pounding of the knees as a, you know, as a football player, I'm sure as a, as a snowboard, you had similar sort of situations where like a certain part of your body just gets like overused and overworked. Pictures yeah. have, you know, obviously elbow problems, shoulder problems. It's overuse. Um, so like it's, yes, it's bad to have a concussion. It's bad to, you know, throw overarm technically for your arm. But um, with within like reason, it's I don't think it's that big of a problem. So right. I think it's a matter of like how often you're hitting your head, how um, you're allowing your arm to heal, how how you're allowing your brain to heal after practices in between hits, because the problem really, really lies in like the, the repetition and how the body isn't allowed to heal in between hits, in between contacts, in between forces. So there's two things at play. Like it's, it's the repetition. And then there's like not letting something heal. Like how would it be if you like sprained your ankle and you just kept playing on it? Yeah. That would lead to the downstream effects that would lead to your knee hurting. That would lead to your hip, you know, flexors probably hurting and like potentially causing a tear there. Like when something's off, we start compensating for it. And so it's really important to have awareness of our body um, rest and limit our exposure to those types of experiences. Yeah. I think there does need to be some sort of protocol where you can recover so that we can, it's not like we can just wrap ourselves in bubble wrap and say like these sports yeah. are dangerous. Of course not. There's so many benefits. Yeah. yeah it, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like for example, recently with my knees, my hips, all these things I was going through and going to physio, my boyfriend was like, he didn't know me when I was snowboarding. And he said, when you were snowboarding, if you knew that you'd be having like these effects and all these things later, would you have continued? I was like, yeah, like it went back in that time. I literally would like, would state, like, if I die doing this, I die doing what I love, like who cares. But yeah. then once I started, you know, maturing and realizing there's other things I liked outside of sport, um, and just even, you know, just thinking of who I am now, I started thinking, no, like, why, why would I do that? But then you, you want to give everything for your sport. You're in that mindset that you're going to give it your all. And it's not necessarily that that's wrong, but if we have these protocols to recover from that, so that we're not just ankle sprain back out there two minutes later, head hit back out there two minutes later, we just have a way that we can continue forward, but address these things then I think it's going to create so much more sustainability in sport. Maybe someone like me wouldn't have to have walked away from the sport, you know, worrying I'm going to get another concussion or another injury because mm -hmm. you just have these better, better practices in play to recover and make sure that these things aren't happening. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it in sport, you know, you see it. I mentioned baseball as an example, like you have pitch counts when you're a kid, right? Yep. You're not really allowed to throw a curveball until you're 12 or 13 in, in most leagues. Yep. There are safeguards put in place for reasons, like rules. I know we don't like rules, you know, but um, there, there, there's some good rules out there, some really good um, protocols around, you know, athlete health. So I think it makes sense, yeah.
Yeah, 100%. All right. So there's two uh, last questions that I always like to ask every guest. The first one is out of all the daily habits you have, what is the one biggest game changer for you? Mm, movement. Movement. Mm. Hands, down. Hands down. Like moving my body, kind of getting my pores open a little bit, like doing something every day that gets my heart rate up um, is an absolute game changer. Like, and I wish I had something sexier for you, you know, like take this supplement, take this pill, but just moving my body, it's, it just changes everything. It changed your physiology. It changed your mindset. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like making your bed. It's like, I did one good thing today and I'm reaping the benefits all day from it. So move your body and it doesn't have to be big or, or, you know, or even small, like it can be a walk. It can be, um, stretching. It can be a yoga you know, a 10 minute yoga flow, just something, um, to get my body limber and moving and get my energy moving. Yeah, no, I totally attest to that. Like I was telling you, the water has been out in our place. And so the last few days I just haven't been moving. I got the vaccine earlier in the week. So I took a day off. And then I, uh, after that, I was like, okay, I'm fully recovered. I want to get at it, but it's so hot and muggy and I have no water. So I'm like, I can't go and get myself sweaty because I'm just going to be sitting in this for multiple days. Yeah. Um, and you notice it in your mindset, hundred percent. Like you go without when you've been doing movement daily and you go without for a day or two and you just feel antsy. Like I remember yesterday, I was just on my laptop doing laptop work for the whole day. And I just felt just like at the end of the day, like, wow, that day was a grind. But if you take that even 10 minutes, you know, to get that movement in, Game changer, game changer right there. So love, love your response. The last one is you're at the end of your life. You're looking back. What would you want your, um, the impact that you have made in your life to be, if you could just pick one word to describe it? Uh, legacy. Ooh. Like, like I wanted to say care, like similar question I've asked, I've answered the word care, but like, I think like a legacy of care is what I really want share I, I want their like i don't need to be remembered for, for something or like i don't want like the credit but i want to make an impression and remind people to care you know for that to be legacy i love that because that question used to be worded instead of impact i would just ask legacy and then i switched it because instead i was like you know what i think a lot of the people on here they they want to make an impact but not necessarily, they don't need to have their name or their memory or this people to remember them, you know, for this, whatever they did or be written in a book, you know, in a history book for 300 years. Um, so I changed it. So I love that you brought that word back. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you being on here. I appreciate you sharing this. Anyone listening, I will put that quiz in, in the show notes. Um, and I hope that everyone learned a little bit more about concussions, the nuances of it all, how it ties into mental health the um, tie-in into the physical body, as well as the importance of tribe for athletes. So if you are in lockdown right now, you're listening to this still, um, you know, get out there, connect with maybe your past teammates. If your team isn't there, connect with people on the internet that share similar mindsets. And when things open up, go back and maybe try yoga, try these different things and, and discover your tribe in life after sports. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks, Natalie. This is a blast. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.